This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Hi, right, folks. We're back here, joined uh, with uh, my, my new buddy, Meredith Noble. Hello, Meredith. Howdy. We just met. We did. We, we were talking via uh, email and text communication. That's right. So our friend, mutual friend Tara, had texted me a few weeks ago, and she's like, you got to meet my friend Meredith. She's amazing. She's really amazing. I think you should meet her, and I think you should do a podcast. And my first thought was like, is this like a date, a blind date? Is she trying to fix me up? I wasn't sure. I no, and sure I hate to hate to disappoint, right? But I'd I'd warn anyone that gets an email like that. I'm like, well, depends who you ask, right? She texted me first, and then I was like, yeah, I'll meet anybody. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a, her, you know, the classic kind of email introduction. I'm copying this person, and then we had some. And then at some point, when that happens, you always like stop. At some point, they get excluded, right? And then it becomes one on one. Yeah, exactly. So we're we're on that level now. Exactly. Tara's on my book launch team, so she's helping me with sort of getting the word out about this book that we just published. So this isn't so, a date. It's not a, I'm sorry to bear that bad news podca- right now. It's a podcast date. Right. A podcast date. So we're going to talk about a few things. You just wrote a book. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about later about, believe it or not, grant writing. How to write a grant like a unicorn. That's right. You got it. I saw your, you didn't bring the book, but you showed me a picture of the cover. That's right. Can I get like maybe an autographed copy at some point? Sure, or? can. I do need to order some order some author copies. I'll I'll pay for one. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to read it because it's not big in their. It's a quick writing. fun read. Who knows? Sounds like could be very compelling, especially if I want to write it. I was just showing you that in the, when I was a kid, there was those commercials of the guy with like the the question mark, and he was like, "The government's giving 350 billion money for a business, money for shoes, or money for." You know, tra- traveling to write a write about a book, or remember that guy in the, like the nineties? Well, I didn't remember him because I was too young for that. But you did show me to him. How old are you? I'm twenty fine. Twenty fine. Twenty nine. Some may say. Yeah. Okay, so you're not. I mean, I'm thirty four. You're not like I'm not old, am I? I don't reckon. No, you're not old. <laughs> I was in Australia for a year, and they always say I, I, I reckon. I don't reckon. They say I reckon all the time. I think that my language comes from Wyoming. I think that's where I get those kind of bizarre but i do say barbie and that was from watching instead of barbecue oh yeah and that's nice. a, See, i thought you were talking about the doll no because like everybody says that and ken ken and barbie <laughs> yes see uh so first i want to talk about uh you told me you just moved here four years ago so you're kind of new, still new to alaska yeah um so you moved here what in 15 2015 yes 2016 january Wow. And what, what brought you to uh, up the great state of Alaska, up north? From Wyoming, you said? From At the time, I was living in Spokane, Washington. I'd gone to Gonzaga and lived there for a few years. Oh, Gonzaga. Yes. Oh, you be a smart one. That's what they say sometimes. But again, check my, your sources, right? My friend uh, Tim Sullivan, who I just did a podcast with last week, uh, also went to Gonzaga. Oh, go Zags. There's a solid crew up here for sure. There's a lot. Yeah, I know a lot of people who went to the, to the law school, too. Yes, and I was just in Spokane yesterday, and 
biked around campus and I couldn't even believe in 18 months there's so many new buildings it's I mean it's just almost unrecognizable it's incredible what that campus is doing so you graduated what 2012 and then so you were raised in raised in Wyoming yeah I grew up on a cattle ranch fifth generation oldest of four no way so were you like on the horse and like getting the going around getting the cattle or (laughs) yes and I was just home in August and we put in you'd love this so during calving season you have basically calves that are being delivered and so you're going out at all hours of the night to make sure that nothing's going wrong because these are the uh, the first year mothers right they're only two years old and so that is so exhausting by like week four of calving to get up at two in the morning walk out to the barn and see if anything's delivering so i installed cameras in the barns Ooh, a little technology uh-huh it was because we had to figure out how to do it without any wi-fi there was not there well barely any wi-fi so what you use just like like cords or yeah, it's all, it's a Unify network. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically everything's run with Ethernet and power in one cord. Uh, P- uh, power over Ethernet, POE. Yes. Yes. I used to work in IT. No big, like, I'm like, no, you could outdo me fast on this conversation. No, no, but. Big, no big, I was always, a, I was a sales guy. So it was funny because I'd start to, over time, learn these words and I would just always throw out random acronyms and words and the engineer guys were always like, God damn it, Jeff, fucking. Stop doing that. Know? But sometimes I would say something and it would like me just being, saying random things and they were like, Okay, that actually fucking made sense. That's very scary. It's very scary. <laughs> if I only I could remember the words, I don't. I just know that I was put to work installing it. So that worked, and that's kind of cool. So so wait, wait, when you say have problems, you mean like if, if there's a birth complication or... Yeah, like anything that happens essentially to humans, like starting to come backwards or... Yeah, you need help. Maybe they need I've help seen videos. pulling don't, it. Don't they have to go in there and they put, put the hands in there and they like pull it out? Or, yeah. Oh my God. Have you done that? Yes. Do you work like a big glove or something? When you have time. Oh my God. So what, if it's like mm-hmm. sideways or it's not coming out right? Yeah, or, or just taking too long. Something's going on. Maybe um, just, yeah, isn't, it's enough time has passed. You're like, hmm, something's wrong. Then sometimes you'll just help deliver. So did you like, where'd you go to school? You, like, you were like living on the prairie? Where'd you go to school? There are a lot of mountains there. Uh, just Pinedale, Wyoming, little local town, 2,000 people. It's a lot I, like where I live now. I almost... Um, What's the city in Wyoming where there's uh we were looking when I moved to Alaska in 04 and I was looking at like in Colorado there's like Crested Butte like so Jackson these. Hole yeah but there's where's the oh my god where's the University of Wyoming Laramie so I was looking at that as far as because I used to ski a lot so yes. I was looking at Colorado Wyoming and Montana yeah and I nice. actually eventually just decided I want to get far away from, I'm from New Mexico. I want to get far away from there. Yes. If I go to Colorado, Wyoming. <laughs> I think you, you landed there, bud. You're you, in Alaska You can just now. drive home, right? You can just come home if you get, yeah. things get tough. So my buddy and I moved here in 04, and we got to Wyoming the first night. We slept in the cars. Second day, got to the Canadian border, went to Lethbridge. We're 19. We're like, fuck, we can drink. It's yes. amazing. <laughs> got we're, stuck there for a while. We're like, yeah, we spent a little bit in Calgary and uh, Lethbridge. And then, and then I said, well, shit, we're pretty close. We're almost there. And then, like, the third full day of driving through Canada, like, 12-hour days, I go, yes. fuck, where are we going? Yeah. And then you get to the border. Did you drive here or did you fly here? I Oh, I did not. I definitely flew because I I came during the darkest day of the year. I was like, I'm not driving by myself. So when you get to the border, the Alaska-Canada border, it's still, like, a 14-hour drive mm-hmm. to Anchorage. Yeah. So it's pretty It's, it's pretty a sporty far. adventure. So, wait, okay, why'd you – so after your calving uh, cow – childhood you went to gonzaga that's right and then to your question of then how did you get to alaska mm-hmm. okay we all have a story how we, we got all have here. a story so there's the story i tell most people if i don't really want them to know is i tell them i moved here for folina because uh, uh, i love that place but the other reason can i guess yes was there a, a boy or a man involved 
Is it only in like 80% of cases? I yes. I fucking knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Yep. There wasn't enough room in Washington for the two of us, so I figured I'd better go get my own state. So we're dealing with a, a breakup, I assume. Mm-hmm. Well, how long were you dating for? Uh, three years or so. Four. A while. So it was It was like somebody's somebody's leaving. Somebody's leaving. One of those classic, it almost feels like a rite of passage when you start talking to people. Either A had a divorce or there was just a first partnership that ended. It's like, it seems like everyone has to walk through that door. So that was mine. And I, it took about a three-day crisis before I figured out what I was doing. And I was like, obviously, I'm going to Alaska. Always wanted to live here. Why? So no re- no reason or family or anything? No. I, the company I was working for was Alaska-based. So it was coming up one to two times a year anyway. Oh, who are you working for? It was USKH at the time. Oh, I know. So when I used to work in IT, they used to, years ago, um, they were we did some work for them. But a friend, nice. a guy I used to work with, he worked there like back in like the 80s and 90s. Long time ago. Who? His name is Jim Henry. He's, he hasn't been, been there for years, but there was a guy, there was their IT manager. Who's, who, what was his name? Is he still, he might I still be there. I don't think, I don't think so. But, um, but I, I know who they are. I mean, USKH yeah. is a well-known company here. It was a cool, way cool company. And then I guess actually they had, they were acquired by Stantec by the time I moved up So here. you're an engineer? Data engineers like to work with engineers, but I am not an engineer. I tried to be an engineer and I... Uh, you strike me as kind of analytical thinker. Thanks. I think I can walk both sides, but actually, I just could barely get through pre-calculus, so that didn't really work too. out I very well math. for me. <laughs> yeah. I worked with IT. I worked with these engineer guys, and they're always so like analytical, and I'm like the opposite. And it was, you know, some, sometimes you put them in front of customers, and you're like, oh fuck, these guys Please do not belong yes. anywhere near the customer. Some some of them don't. Some of them do, but. Well, I certainly wanted to be an engineer. It's a lot easier to get a job with an engineering firm if you have an engineering degree, which you, I didn't. You strike me as having some good people skills, though. So, thanks. The the, the best in <laughs> IT, the the sales engineers are the ones who make the most money because they have the engineering skills and they have the people skills, and well, those yes. rarely overlap. I think that's why I found myself where I did, which was grant writing, because that was sort of between the client, the engineering technical staff, and then in this case, the funding agency. So it's a bit of a triangle and I could navigate between all three. So you weren't, before you were doing data stuff with USKG, you weren't doing grant, you weren't doing grant writing then, were you? I was. They hired me as their first full-time grant writer. So I know people who do grant writing or they work, they, companies hire them or corporations to get, to get grants. So, I mean, that's a big, that's a thing people, it's an industry or thing, thing people are, people are doing, right? It is, but that was innovative at the time. My boss, Lydia Griffey, had kind of made it all happen, which there wasn't engineering firms didn't have full-time grant writing staff helping clients get their infrastructure projects funded. So these are like capital grants you're talking That's about, right. state like or buildings. federal? Yep. And so once we became part of Stantec, every project manager wanted that help, right? Why wouldn't you want to help your client get money? Mm-hmm. So I you, helped you, grow that group. You came to Alaska at a weird time because... Our, uh-huh. our cap, our cap, I, I follow politics. I've been doing that. I yeah. ran for office the first time in 2012. But when our when the price of oil was like popping at 140 back in like 08, 09, you know, the money was pouring in. So back in like 20 fiscal year 11, fiscal year 12, we were having like $2 billion capital budgets. Yes. Like hot capital budgets. Mm-hmm. And now they're down to like 100 some million. Right. With a federal match. And those becomes, are maintenance projects. That, yeah. No, the yeah, lower 48 and Canada projects were all easier all the time. Than Alaska. So, what are you? Are you doing capital grants? So, built, any, or are you doing think, all kinds of stuff? Any kind of built environment. I, I did water treatment plants, stormwater. I worked with an ex-pro skateboarder, and I'd helped him get his skate parks funded. But there's grants for like nonprofits get grants too. So yeah, and it hasn't been my expertise. 
I'm developing it now, but it hasn't been. So yes, nonprofits get funding for their programs, but I was basically focused on built environment stuff. Like you're See, building. I'm, I'm way more. I'm way more about those grants. Where which ones? Build, the... build, building building things and you know getting people jobs, but right. infrastructure. Those those are the grants that I'm all about. They're fun too, because you get to learn enough to be dangerous. And we, we we have you know in Alaska we're a pretty young state, 1959, mm-hmm. and there's still so much infrastructure we we need. And now the budget issue where the capital budget's been reduced, and I'm not saying it should have been where it was because it was probably too big for a long time, but there's just, yeah. there's new projects, but then there's like maintaining roads and, and schools and existing infrastructure, and some of those don't get funded all the time. Right, and this is what I've observed, is that our caliper as grant writers, as a state, generally it feels like we're lower than other states. We're not, we don't put together the most professional and compelling applications because we didn't have to to your point about oh, especially the, in the 80s i mean there, there's not even the, the 2012 the, but but, but so, you go way back we'll talk about like back in the 80s when the oil money started coming in i mean at one point the budget of the north slope borough in the 80s was more than the city of chicago I mean, there's like a pool they built a pool up there i mean we had i could tell you stories about like there's a fish so there's a church change point you know change point yes so do you know what that does it look like a church to you no Looks like a looks like a commercial building, doesn't yes. it? So that was uh, built. Some guy with I forget his name. He kind of had a silver tongue. He he said, "I want to uh, produ- um, get money from." It was called Ada, the Alaska Industrial. Yes. You've heard of Ada, I'm mm-hmm. sure. The Alaska Industrial Development Export Authority. So Ada funded this guy like 50 million to build a fish processing plant, and it was yes. going to be like high end. You get the salmon. You 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 all in that plant. You process it, and you're selling like high end fish, you know, final product, and you're selling it to people in the, all over the world. And it was like, the guy got 50 million. Yeah. I don't think there was any fish ever produced I out of that I heard about this story. I mean, I think maybe yeah. a little bit, right? So it was just a total debacle. There was a lot of money. And the church ended up buying it for, I think, 20 million or something. Sure. It was it was big haircut. Yeah. And and now it's a, you know, it's a church. And then there was a whole other scandal with that. You know the dome back there? Mm-hmm. That was before you came here, but it like... It was built, and the church guaranteed the bonds, and then there was no money, and the bond the bonds failed, and they were like ten cents on the dollar. I mean, it's all this crazy shit. Well, that's why it's maybe that's why I think there's a blessing in all of this because it brings out basically you don't have the money to afford making such bad decisions on projects. It you, makes you, you it's a more entrepreneurial character has to emerge because it says you test things small and you test things cheaply and you make sure there's actually market demand. You got. I'm going to give you a book, or I'll. I'll I recommend yeah, a book called Extreme Conditions by a guy named John Strohmeyer. He was a Pulitzer Prize winner. He was up here in the 90s, and he wrote a book about kind of the history of oil in Alaska. And there's mm. these barley terminal projects. Yes. There's there's all these, like, these like rail cars and all these things in the 80s and 90s. Like, this crazy projects got... Yeah, I want to understand the the mill that's in Valdez now, because I see there's it. The, there's, so. there's the, there's the uh, grain, grain, the the grain, gra- grain, mm-hmm. grain, grain terminal. Another, right. another debacle. Um, I mean, so, some things did work out. Like Ada F- Fund got really involved in with uh, Red Dog Mine, right? Which is a huge success mm-hmm. out there. Huge. But it's like before you kind of knew somebody, and they were in the government, and you had an idea, and it was like that was enough. Not anymore. <laughs> so, so you you work with you, right now? You're working with clients, or you're actually just working on the the book and trying to help people? Okay, do- so I'll give you the quick background. So I left. The consulting job because I'd burned out massively thinking I would never write another grant again. And then I just kept getting asked for a little bit of help here and there. And finally, I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll do a workshop or two. Those went really Ooh, well. Oh, workshop. Yes, workshops. They were there. Uh, so like, you like rent a space and invite some people? I was usually hired by organizations to provide them for their community, like 
provided it for their beneficiaries. And that built, so then I did start accepting, I was asked to do some grants and I did take on some work and then that grew really fast and I had, um, even had like a staff and team and this all happened in the last 18 months, but I've closed off all that work. All, like, before, all before 20 fine. All before 20 fine, yes. But I, I've siphoned it off because I kept finding that I was putting my clients' priorities ahead of my own and so I just, I wasn't building a business that scales it was frustrating to me to sell units of time. I don't really like consulting as a business model. And so I decided I don't have a forever runway, but I'm going for it right now where I'm saying I'm not going to take any more consulting projects and I'm going to focus I've, on building online courses. I've always I've always found there's two kind people who say they're a consultant. Yes. I've always found there's two kinds of consultants. True. One is a person who's unemployed who has no money who's just like I'm a consultant. And the other one is somebody who like makes $500 an hour and they're always employed. Right. There's no like middle. Yeah, I kind of consult. No. Kinda, so it's either you're, you're you're doing really well or you're doing really bad. I was doing really well, but even with my, I think you're doing well. I'm gonna thank put you. you in the well category. Yeah, I was doing super well, um, but I just didn't want to. I don't want to be a one trick pony that's only doing that for the rest of your life. You want to know that you can build on other challenges, right? So I was basically, I'm going all in right now. I was like, finally, I'm going to get this book done, get it out. All the chips are in. Yeah, it's all in. So I, I have not done this, but I've thought about at some point. I've looked around. I've I've kind of thought about writing a book about my Alaska experience. You should. So, so what's it? I mean, how long is your, how many pages is your book? 170 pages, and I made it five by seven <laughs> because I was worried it would look too thin. So I'm like, I better make it small. But it looks so great. the smaller you make, yeah, it looks it looks, looks thicker, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, there's a joke there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm okay. Not gonna, I'm not going to walk in. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. So, so publishing long? is amazing. It's so actually next week I'm going to be doing a webinar on how I did the book because. Um, my book launch team has been interested. It's it's super fun. Like I, how I did it was I actually re- went out to a cabin in Hope, so there'd be no internet, no distractions. Wrote an outline. Old, old school. Old school. It works great. And then I audio recorded, like we are now, and then had that file converted to text, and then I edited the text. So my whole time commitment from outline to audio to first complete edit of each chapter was one and a half to two hours. Which, if you tried to sit down and write a chapter, it it would take you longer than two hours. Oh yeah, I mean, I write my column and I write articles, and sometimes you sit down and I mean, even if you're even you, if you're going you're really good, good, you still you're, spin. You're, you're, you know, you're still like, oh, how am I going to say this? And one time, sometimes you'll stop on like a word, yes, for two minutes or a, a, a sentence. Exactly. And you do this, and you have all the equipment. You should just start doing this. Do your auto record. Con- you can use it. This service called Dragon. I've been told, but my, Dragon. Dragon. Yeah, but my. Uh, my my buddy Lee Brown, he actually wrote me a custom script that he could send through Amazon. So he so what, you record you you recorded the chapter first yeah. verbally, yeah, converted that into text, and then went back and edited the, the text from from your rec- voice recording. Exactly. Wow. See, because I can tell stories so well, and I can write okay, but it's just a matter of like organizing your thoughts and how you're gonna. What's chapter one? What's chapter two? What's where's it going? And my outlines were not specific. Because my hand would get tired writing, right? And I just wanted to get to the recording. So they were loose outlines. Wait, you're like writing with like a pen, pen yeah. or pencil? Um, you betcha. You bet you. It's Sarah Palin. Is you it? Be- you betcha. You betcha. You betcha. Yeah, that's from Wyoming. So she must have got it from us. I think for some reason she started talking like she was from the Midwest. It was kind of weird. <laughs> um, so how long did it take you to, to do the book? Three days in the first draft. Jesus. Yeah. And Seems honestly, really it's fast. not substantially different. The Obviously, it's more fine-tuned. I did hire a real editor. A lot of people, everyone jumped in to help build this book. 
different people would take on a different chapter. Are you self? Did you self publish or you? Yeah. Did you get like a publisher? Self published through Amazon. It's totally the way to go. And then I'll. Um, so how, how many do they make? Hundred so books to start. They or tell they, you no. That's it on demand. demand. It's on demand. It's totally cool. So it's my book. Um, they tell you what the costs are to make it, and then they take thirty percent royalty, and then the rest is yours. So if they get ten orders, they make ten. If they, but what, what if they get like, what if it pops off and they get like a thousand orders? They just have to make them real quick. How long it takes yeah. to make a book? I wonder. I don't know. Um, a bunch of people ordered them this week, so we'll see how long it takes for them so, to get so you're, them. So it's for sale. You're you're, you're launched. It's, oh yeah, I soft launched this week, meaning just letting the people. I wanted to make sure I could work out any any issues, of which there were many. Uh, so yeah, book is up and on Amazon, and I'll be doing like a hard launch next Sunday. You know, actually telling people about it, which I guess so it's like it's like a restaurant. You do the soft launch with yeah. the hotel, bef- work so out you your work, issues, work out the kinks, yep. and then you go to the, the yeah the, the main deal exactly. So what do you where do you see this? I mean, do you have any projections or do you have an idea of? I don't know. It's been interesting. I originally the idea behind the book was I have this free mini class on how to write a grant in seven steps. At, the, at my website and people sign up for that all day long it's like how to lose a guy in 10 days how, right? how to write a grant <laughs> that should seven. be my sequel yeah um and There's then a movie about that <laughs> i guess i don't have a lot of expertise in it though so like move to another state <laughs> just kidding <laughs> move, move thousands of miles away yeah. <laughs> not a really right i've lost him he's gone he's gone yeah uh but then i have this online course and it's a it's a big price leap and it was too much of a leap for people like oh can they how are much they is the online course um well i'll determine what i'm going to price it at i've I'm not sure yet because I'm I'm going to be re I'm relaunching in December, um, and I think it'll be 250 bucks. How much is the book? Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to price it. I think it'll be between 10 and 15 dollars. But you said it's kind of for, it's not for sale. I yet, have it. It's, it's for sale right now, but I have it at like the rock bottom price just so I can. Oh, you got to get your money, girl. You no, I'm doing it as a thank you to the people that are on my oh, book launch okay. team. Like they're leaving reviews. They've been helping me with it. I want them to be able to get the book as cheap as possible. I'll tell you what. I'm going to read this book. Oh, thanks. Because I, I, I pretty much read only nonfiction, so I'm going to put this in the nonfiction. This is more yeah. of like a how-to. It's a how-to. Have I ever heard how a to write a grant? Book? It's fun. I, I like when George Carlin, um, you know George Carlin, the comedian? No. Sorry, I have no pop culture references. He's like a, he died about 10 years ago. He was a famous comedian from the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and he was just basically just, he would always savage like society, and he was very, very funny, but he, he has this one bit where he's like, He's like, well, what are these fucking self-help books? Like, if you're reading a self-help book, like, you don't need help. You're like, you're, you're reading it yourself. Like, why do you need help? And it's one of his bits mm-hmm. about, like, anybody who reads a self-help book, they're already getting help. Right. And I always felt the same way. I'm like, learn everything the hard way. But I signed up for, to launch my book, I actually signed up for a program called Self-Publishing School. And holy smokes, I have saved so many mistakes and everything's going so much better than it would have been had I not done that. So I'm kind of taking my own advice and I'm like, there really is some benefit in not learning everything the hard way. And taking taking an online course and getting coaching or whatever it is, so you can just shorten that whole learning. So who's curve. your who's your target here? Pe- people who are already employed at a company that they want to no. write a grant. Here's or? my ideal customer, but I do have a whole lot of diverse people that come to it. But this is my ideal person: someone that's not totally satisfied with what they're doing and they want to get into a different field, and they're curious about grant writing as a new skill set to put in their toolbox. But they need to have they need to be okay at it to be able to kind of open that door, and so going from zero to one is a heavy lift when you don't know where to start. So that and that's usually a female. She's usually twenty eight to like thirty eight, uh, and 
that she's also super civically engaged and is volunteering with nonprofits that also need grant writing support. And so she may find a way to do it as a job. And if not, she's going to use this skill set to support her nonprofits. They're the community change makers that are already, they're going to figure it out, but they're eager to figure it out faster so they don't have to, do, you know, spend three years making a bunch of errors. Interesting. Yeah, no, because I've, I've served on some nonprofit boards and, you know, you have the employees and usually somebody, they usually say, well, we need to submit a grant. Here, you write a grant or something. Or, or maybe the director does it. Right. Maybe they don't have a lot of experience doing it, but they have to. Uh, it's funny, my old, uh, I just had lunch with them today, my old econ professor from, from University of Alaska. He's from Australia and he's been a professor here for like 30 years. But he was telling me um, a story that when he was working for the Australian Treasury, when he was like out of school, he had his PhD in economics. He was working there, and he uh, he was, like, doing some report for a, a runway, like mm-hmm. a new runway analysis in Sydney. And he said, um, he was talking to the boss, and he's like, now make sure, now, like, make sure pages are neat, the staple's right here. We yes. have the, he's like, and he, he thought he was, like, he thought he was fucking joking, right? Right. He That's thought it was a not. joke. So he was like, okay, what you know, whatever. And they went to the, they went to the meeting with all these people, and he realized, like, the guy, like, wasn't joking. It was mm-hmm. all about, like, the presentation yeah. He, he goes, it's just kind of scary because it seemed like they cared more about the look of the report than the content. Than the content. Sure. And it was like, and he's like, that's when I realized like, oh my God, like this is government. You know, this is, mm-hmm. So it looks really good. That's, that helps. That helps. And I talk people through how to do that. Because really... you could have a great content and like yeah. a shitty here, like it's like some staple together. It's like, looks kind of here. Yeah, it, it needs to be easy to read. No needs cover, to... no. Right. It needs to be a, yeah, I mean, they're looking at a ton of things. Make it easy. Make it stand out. Use color. Use there's just so many things you can do that are you don't have to be a graphic designer to make something way more compelling, and that is the whole point. There's a lot of good projects out there, and a lot of them are worth funding, and they're are worth it. They deserve funding, but doesn't mean they're going to get it. So it's like, don't forget, this is a persuasive essay. Right, yeah. No, I mean, I, I do, you know, the website. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, uh-huh. but, you know, I'm, I'm very methodical. I want it to look good. I want it to, like, yeah, it present looks well. I want it to... We just did a relaunch of the of the front page, but the graphics and the the logo and how to, how to navigate it. Yeah, says a lot about your brand. Cause, cause Can I trust you? That's how we make these judgments, right? Is this person, yeah, do, mm-hmm. are they going to squander the Are they going to actually implement this correctly or what? Are they going to squander the money? Exactly. Wow. So four years in Alaska, almost coming, coming up on four years. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, do you, obviously you're still here. I'm still here and I was only going to be here for nine months. So there you have it. And I'm not leaving. And I made up my mind on that the moment I moved to Valdez. So you just, yeah, you moved to Valdez. So you were in Anchorage. Now you're in Valdez. Yeah, I moved in July. Wow. So Valdez has its own unique history with the pipeline. Oh, I know. They have a play that they just started because they're kind of ramping it up for all this extra cruise traffic that's coming in. And anyone that ever goes to Valdez needs to time it for this play in the summer because it's the whole history of Valdez. And it's so funny. It's so good. It's so interesting. And it's, it's like it's a play. Our, our former governor, Bill, Bill Walker, is from from Val. I think he was mayor when he was pretty young. Yeah. Um, but he talks about that a lot. And then there was the earthquake that yes. really affected Valdez substantially. And, the oh, yeah. only community that's actually completely rebuilt. Right. I think they had to they had to move it. Right. They did. Yes. Because it was like just totally de- destroyed. Yeah. The um the the Valdez is one of the you know because of the pipeline because of the ta- taxes and the, the tariffs and all that. Um, it's one of the wealthiest communities like in Alaska per, per capita. And interestingly sort of diverse in its economy when you look around there's quite the cross-section what for a community the, that small you got the oil the, the pipeline commercial fishing i mean there is this you know, of course land management presence there's the coast guard 
there's all the small businesses that support that. And then there's this growing thing that we are, which is trying to grow tech in Valdez. Yeah, so we were talking about that before we started. So uh, I have a lot of friends who have moved to Lower 48. Some moved to California for a job. And, and right. my one buddy's pretty wealthy. So he, he bought a house that's like really close to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's a nice house. It's not yeah. it's not like a crazy, like, oh, my God. But it was like a million some dollars. And essentially paying for ac- ac- close access to the city. Right. But you have, you know, these people who are in San Francisco who are making $200,000 who are essentially struggling. Yeah. Because it's so expensive or they have to commute two hours a day each way. Um, why? I mean, why, why is it? Why don't we have people right. living in Valdez doing tech? So, be, okay, I'll answer that. But beyond the financial struggle, there's also this quality of life struggle. Because So the two people that founded Geeks in the Woods, it's Lee and Lucas Brown, and they had started and grown a startup. Wait, in wait what's Seattle. Geeks in the Woods? It's a, it's a vehicle for trying to grow uh, tech startups in Alaska. So and it's a it's they have a couple properties where you can go and work remotely. So this this is a group that exists right now. Yes. Geeks in the woods. Geeks in the woods. Is yeah. this is this uh just Valdez based or is it kind of bigger? So the yeah, core properties in Valdez. Wow. And so they had this grew this business in Seattle and found that you know, people were getting to this point once they start having kids where they felt like they had to choose between like still investing in their career or having a family life. And they didn't want people to have to choose. You ought to be able to have both. And there was also, as Seattle has been blowing up, it gets harder to actually access green spaces well, or my, public spaces. I just was there a few weeks ago. My friend and I went down for a couple of days in, in L.A., but we stayed in Bellevue, right? where it's like the big new tech boom, and they wanted to get out of Seattle for different reasons. And mm-hmm. Bellevue, it's like Beverly Hills, you know? Right. It's like, but, but I was talking to some folks that I met in the bar that lived there, and it's like fucking very expensive. A little apartment's like $2,000. Very expensive, and then you just don't have... You're just not having the quality of life. People feel like, oh, well, I want to get there, but is it some faraway goal to have happiness in their life? But first, I have to get my career to this have, certain place. Have you seen San Francisco 2.0? Uh, no. It's a really good, it's a couple years old. It's um, Alexandra Pelosi. It's Nancy Pelosi's daughter. She, she's a filmmaker. And essentially, she just goes mm-hmm. in San Francisco and looks at like the history. And, you know, it was a great place, culture, all these different, all these neighborhoods. And over people move there because they wanted to, right. you know, to experience that culture and live there. And then, gentrification happened they started buying up these neighborhoods t- destroying them putting up big you know high high-rise condos yeah. and it's like a catch-22 because it's like all those original reasons people wanted to live there this culture they're, they're gone they're gone they're going away and people yeah. can't people who are living there grew up there they can't afford it i saw this one guy who was mm-hmm. working in tech he was making like a hundred some thousand but he was living in a little room no windows yeah so that's what makes alaska so appealing right now is we actually have this huge opportunity to seize on that we haven't really I guess, aligned all grains towards, which is finally the internet actually is making this possible to work remotely if your company will allow you or build a business here if it's well, tech-based. There's been talk, and, and again, a lot of the problem I always say when people talk about like economic development, quote-unquote, in Alaska, right. that usually means government money, and that's been, we talked about earlier, been a lot of debacles. Right. There has been talk of server farms up here because it's cold, right? So you save, I mean, the biggest cost of a lot of those big server farms is they're, they're have to air condition them and it's very expensive yes but the the proposals that have been in the past made required a ton of money from the government because there hasn't been the private money but that's been a discussion about i mean you can imagine the middle of alaska you have like you know miles of server farms right i mean that's why laramie wyoming has so many same thing they're right on the other side of in of colorado so close to denver a mm-hmm. metropolis area and it's cold and it's cold very cold 
But I guess I see more opportunity in more of the bootstrap startups that are building software as a service businesses that can hire really smart, well-paying people. Because a lot of people, techie people that I know, you know, they they also they want to they want to go camping. They want to exactly get on a pack raft. They want to go. It's skiing. sunny on Thursday. Take it exactly. Go skiing and not see the difference between like a Saturday and a Tuesday. Just getting the work done when you need to get it done. Isn't there a, one of the challenges though of if you're here and there's so much kind of happening in you know San Francisco or Seattle? It's just like banking. I mean, New York's kind of. So yes, is it a challenge because there's not really a super vibrant entrepreneur ecosystem here compared to other communities and not just Silicon Valley. There's a lot of other just blowing up areas in the lower 48 that have just this nucleus of all the kind of right things happening. And yeah, I'd say where it's a real uphill battle because you need a real strong university for that. You need strong examples of successful startups. Like we just need one killer, knock it out of the park tech startup in Alaska to show like it's possible mm-hmm. and then I do think all the other things will align because it is feel it does definitely feel like we're pushing a snowball uphill but having just got back from Spokane where people didn't dare go to downtown when I started to go to school there and now that place is also blowing up in a great way it's like well, things it, can change it, fast it's interesting you say Valde- I haven't spent much time in Valdez I've been there before Anchorage not I mean I was gonna say why not Anchorage but you know we have this talk about downtown we're having crime issues and there's other things some people are avoiding down i mean valdez i imagine is probably a lot i mean anchorage anchorage is the is absolutely the hub for business and i come here to get business done and i will schedule all my meetings once a month and be here come do the podcast with jeff landfield come do a podcast like right before i hit the car and drive to valdez yes love that so yes things have to happen here but i'll tell you since moving to valdez i'm 10 times more creative 100 times more productive I walk 100 yards from where I live to my – I live work in a shipping container, which has fiber. Like a, con- like a Connex? Yes. I'm like, is it heated? Yes. Yeah, it's heated, and we have faster internet than I have in downtown Did Anchorage. Did you put, like, a window in it? or? No, we don't have windows, so a garage a garage and an actual co-working space is, is uh, in the queue for next year. Nice. Yeah, because that could get a little bit – in the wintertime, a little bit that's why you, But lonely. that's why if you have this – yeah, have this lifestyle, I can get out in the middle of the day and take advantage of the sun. Go skiing a couple laps. So whatever. when did you move to Valdez? Well, June, and I'd been visiting, you know, a couple times throughout the year, and I was like, I just love this place because it reminds me of Pinedale, Wyoming. Did you know someone there? Did you have a connection? Yeah, I mean, I knew, yeah, I mean, I knew these these guys that had, had founded Geeks in the Woods, um, and I just really made up my mind. I was like, I'm going there. I'm going to live there because I want to build my business, and I need a place that I can be distraction-free to do that. And it's just so beautiful and calm. Like, I wake up, and I look out over a lake in the Chugach Mountains. I've got Louis the Loon you know, cooing down on the lake. Uh, it's just a totally different I like how, vibe. I like how loons sound. Um, me too. And, I'm, and I was actually just wondering, I was like, wonder if Louie's going to be gone when I get back. Like, My friend has a... They do fly a, south, right? <laughs> uh, do, I, I, they must. I mean, ducks do. Right. They, they, um, my friend has a, moms have a, has a cabin or kind of place on near Big Lake. It's like yes. an hourglass lake. And we go out there, out there a lot in the summer and hang out. And there's these two loons that are always on there in the summer. Exactly. And there's two of them. And they're always... And, and sometimes, one time I got very close to them. They kind of normally they fly away, but they just all night you you sleep and they're like, woo, 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 well, I have a plot all line night. because I think so. Sometimes there's two loons and I call her Lucy, but Lucy isn't always there, so I don't know if Lucy's trying to decide where she wants to be. Sometimes she's, like, she's around. She's like you, kind of. She needs to just commit, commit to Louie, commit to Roe Blake. Then we so have two I have loons. this. It's like the crazy. You mentioned loon. I have this thing. When I first moved to Alaska in 04, I went to this like garage. I was looking for stuff for my house, and we got like a little tiny apartment or small house we rented. 
we needed like we had nothing right, right. We had zero so we bought a couch and bought a table and i went to this garage sale and i found this uh it's like a something you hang on the wall it's wood and it's like a kind of a sign and it's kind of curved on top and the button there's a bottom kind of like looks kind of it's like artsy yeah but it says uh it's a picture of a big loon. It's drawn. It's a big loon. Lovely. And it says, Lunatic Lodge, weird things happen here. You had to get it. And I was like, I got, it's still in my house. I mean, that's I got amazing. it like 15 years ago, but it is like, it's fucking awesome. Okay, Lun- that's Lun- inspiring. I will find something to name Lunatic Lodge. I, I think something must have been at some point named that because I don't know, or else somebody just got creative and decided to make it. I will send you a picture of it. Okay. Well, I'm going to start. So we, the lake freezes and in this winter, and I love Nordic skiing, which is something I'm going to miss about Anchorage. You're, this a, you're a classic class. or you're a, you're a skater? Uh, both. And I'm new to it. I'm only a couple years in. I was always a downhill You look skier. like a kind of a fit type. You look like you'd be good at either one. Look- Hack job at either one. Yeah. But I was like, we don't have really a lot of trails in Valdez, so I'm going to get a groomer. You can pull behind a snow machine and make all these you know, trails on the lake and the hills nearby. And then I wanted to make like a little warming hut for people and have like a little, a little race, maybe the Mega Vortex series. Yeah, that's. Pretty- and I could call that warming hut the Lunatic. What'd you call it? Lunatic Lodge. Lunatic Lodge. Yeah, that's, you, you can have the name. I mean, yeah. it's not, I don't have the trademark. Yeah. Maybe you could raise some money. Maybe you could make that little side project in the winter. What project? The, the, the ski trails. I know. They I was just going to. Ski- I know. I not not really. I imagine a lot of people ski there. Ski- yeah. Not really. So I was like, maybe do a little like gas membership. You have to like put in a little bit of money in the pot to pay for the gas. I'm not pa- sure. Pass around the hat. Yeah. Well, Meredith, this has been a good podcast. This is the first, I think one of the first podcasts I've ever done where I've just met somebody. Yeah. Cold had never Had never met them before. And now we're having, it's been a great podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. We should do it again. We can talk more. Maybe I can come to Valdez sometime. We can yeah, we need do one uh, on location. Alaska 2.0. Hmm? With, the, with the geeks. Yeah, do it. Come on out. Well, I wish you all the best. I'm going to get the book. I'll read it. Thanks. And I'll uh, I'll even do a little post for you. Oh my gosh, your I've, review is gold to me right now. I've got now. a few friends on Facebook, so. Oh, thank you very much. Maybe Super we'll appreciate be able it. to help you out with some sales. Cool. That'd be great. All right. Well, have a good trip back to Valdez and we'll be in touch. Thank you. See ya. All right, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me, let me know and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.